guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the cross hello and welcome to the community bible church podcast where we will be doing a chapter by chapter weekly discussion of the book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. For those of you who don't know, my name is Matt Owen. I'm the lead pastor at Community Bible Church of Orange Park, and I'm joined by Joseph Brader, who is the pastor of worship and discipleship here at CBC. Joseph, why this book? Why are we choosing to uh, read this together as a church? Yeah, um... Well, for one thing, we just want to do something that builds some unity and some solidarity. We all want to do one thing together and move together. We're coming out of a, a couple of years that have felt um, kind of splintering for many reasons, mm-hmm. internal and external. Mm-hmm. And so we want to do something that um, helps us all to feel some forward momentum and mm-hmm. some action together. Um, but this book specifically is, uh, is really helpful because it gets at uh, the heart of who Jesus is. Um, it helps us to do what like the Bible would call abiding in Jesus. Mm. It's going to help us to know him and to uh, hopefully abide in him and find rest in him. Um, and it's going to do that in a way that I think is a little bit um, a little bit countercultural. It pushes at some of the maybe some negative tendencies that we have in terms of how we think about Jesus, how we think about the gospel, and how we think about ourselves. Yeah, that's good. I read this book uh, this past summer in the space of about two or three days, I think. I just devoured it. And I've been trying not to oversell this book to people, uh, but I have not been successful at that because I've been telling people it's one of the best Christian books I have read in the past 10 years. <laughs> so that's <laughs> a little bit of, of a sell, but it, it really is that helpful. Let me ask you another question. Why are we doing this podcast? Yeah, um... Well, I, I think primarily we just want to model the conversations that we want our people to have. So we're going to um, every week have a couple of conversation starters that are meant to uh, encourage some community and some, uh, some conversation outside of Sunday services. So when you're with people from the church, um, with your family, whatever, some ways for you to dig into this together and, uh, and kind of be part of that momentum and that solidarity. Uh, so we want to model that. We're going to talk through, I think, a lot of the conversation mm-hmm. starters in here mm-hmm. um, and hopefully get you guys kick-started as you um, are listening to this and reading the book and then engaging in those conversations. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So uh, what are our qualifications for doing a podcast? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what makes yeah. you qualified to do a podcast. Um, I, I, I like to talk. <laughs> I think you do too, So that, but uh, I think that's about it. I'm not sure... Uh, is no qualifications a really bad answer here? <laughs> Have you ever done a podcast before? No, I've never done a podcast, never been on a podcast. I listen to a lot. Okay. So you've never even been a guest on a podcast? I don't think I have. So you have absolutely no experience? Absolutely no. I've been asked a couple times. I never did it. So does that, that's like, that's like dipping your toe into the water. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I have the same amount of experience with podcasts that you do. Uh, my only qualification for doing podcasts is that I've listened to many hours of podcasts. So we'll we'll just kind of figure it out as we go. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's jump in and talk about the book uh, 
for a while. Um, the title of this book is based on something that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. So I was thinking maybe you could just read those verses for us as we get started, and then we'll just uh, talk about the, the introduction in the chapter a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm. There is this uh, statement in the introduction on page 13 that I think uh, is, is really weighty. Um, one of the things Ortland says on that page, he says, <clears throat> it is for that increasing suspicion that God's patience with us is wearing thin. Uh, you're probably like me. We, I know we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. um, but we have both had the experience of feeling like God's patience with us is wearing thin. Mm -hmm. Where do you where do you most feel at our where do you most often feel like like Christ's patience with you is wearing thin? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just in the ongoing, never ending struggle with sin. Um, so I see my I either see the sin that I'm still struggling with or I, I see maybe like more generically, um, that I'm not where I want to be in my sanctification. Mm. And I think God's got to be irritated. Mm. He's got to be sick of this and probably even a little bit sick of me. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for me, it, it shows up in just <clears throat> my thinking that, that God is working with me on a standard of where I ought to be. Mm. And yeah. so... I'm constantly trying to figure out where he thinks I ought to be. <laughs> and of course, if, yeah. if we look at our own lives, none of us have attained the sanctification that we thought we were going to have. I thought I would be a, got, a lot godlier of a person <laughs> than I actually am. Uh, I thought I would think in biblical categories a lot more than I actually do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel that, and I feel like sometimes... Jesus is dealing with me based on the standard for for where he thinks I ought to be, mm -hmm. but I don't know where that is. I just know that I'm not there. And so yeah. every time he's looking at me, he's feeling mad. Have do we have to go through this again? That that's where that's where I often feel it. It's not just for me, it's not just f with with sin too. It's it's just for instance, in trials, mm, yeah. Uh, why am I not responding to trials right away the way I should? You know, every trial's a new mm. experience. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you feel like, like, um, you you had a faith building experience in your last trial, and then you come to this thing, and when it hits, you just you lose your mind. Yeah, all the faith that was built is not. It's like it never happened. Gone, right. Yeah. It's like God has to prove Himself all over again uh -huh. and start from square one. Yeah. And and I I feel that I feel like like Jesus's patience uh, with me wears thin there as well. Mm -hmm. Any other any other places where you feel it? I think that sums it up pretty yeah. well. Yeah. For me. There's a, another thing he says on page 15 that I just wanted to talk about 
um, kind of briefly, but he, he says that there's a difference in focusing on what Christ has done versus who Christ is. And of course, focusing on what Christ has done is a good thing. But but what is what in your mind? What's the difference between focusing on what Christ has done and what uh, and who Christ is? Yeah, um, I think it's a difference of uh, thinking maybe like in functional terms versus relational or personal terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do this outside of thinking about Jesus, but we certainly do it thinking about Jesus and thinking about how we relate to the Lord. But we think about um, we think about and define ourselves in terms of what we do what we accomplish, I think, and like what we contribute. I'm trying to, to circle around an idea mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we define ourselves and people around us and the world around us in those kind of terms. But I think like the things that we do, the functional things are um, an outgrowth of something underneath that, and that's who we are. And I think that's what we're, that's what we're talking about in a book like this. And when we say who is Jesus versus what does Jesus do, the things that he does flow from his character, flow from his person, so they can help us to understand it. But it, they're they're kind of superficial, if you will, um, mm. when you compared to asking, like, who is he and what is his heart? Mm. So that's something that takes it out of the intellectual, I think, mm. and puts it in relational terms, where mm. we start thinking about communion with Jesus, mm-hmm. which the Bible talks a lot about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Yeah, so we can, so understanding the nature of Christ, being able to talk about the atonement and what it accomplishes, all those things are good. All those things are focusing on what Christ has done. And we go astray if we don't understand those things properly. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Bible wants to lead us. I think maybe the way of thinking about it is the Bible is, is le- leading us to know Jesus, mm-hmm. not simply know facts about Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, to understand his heart for his people rather than just being able to, to write a paper or whatever, um, theologizing about, about what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. And that makes all the difference in how we feel towards Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. And how we perceive Jesus interacting with us and relating to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the introduction. That's kind of the the setup um, for the book is is just uh, there are books that we ought to read and things that we ought to explore about what the work of Christ. There are all kinds of great things. That's not the necessarily the purpose of this book. This this book is wants to talk about his heart. So. Um, in, in chapter one, which is called His Very Heart, uh, one of the things that is said on page 22 that I, I found interesting is it's a, a sentence at the very bottom of the page. And he says, that's, that's what we are all like, confessing Christ with our lips, but generally avoiding deep fellowship with him out of a muted understanding of his heart. Why do you think we, you can speak in general terms or, or speak specifically for yourself, why do you think we avoid deep fellowship? Why are quick to confess with, lip, with our lips, yeah. but avoid yeah. deep fellowship? Um, I think, I guess I, I, I can only speak in some sense from personal terms, although I think it's broader than just me. 
Um, but I think we have a fear of deep fellowship with Jesus because we misunderstand the heart of Jesus and we misunderstand the way that he's actually oriented towards us. So we tend to think of him um, as first and or primarily or even exclusively maybe judge. Um, and we want to avoid avoid that, right? For the same reason that maybe um, we're we're a little bit afraid of deep personal relationship with like a law enforcement officer because we just have a perception of them that says they're always looking for some way to get you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can like tip my cap to them. I can be aware of them and grateful for them and appreciate whatever. But I, I feel maybe a little bit of tension um, in being really good friends with someone in law enforcement mm-hmm. because I feel like, they're just always looking for some way to get me. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. I think for me, uh, avoiding deep fellowship is connected to a couple of things. One is probably, it's it's silly to actually say this out loud, but the closer you move towards someone, the better they know you. Uh, and it's it's obviously... Christ knows us inside and out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Uh, But there's still that fear of getting too close. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I think for me is just maybe, you know, and this is something Ortland says in the chapter, you know, we avoid deep fellowship uh, with him out of a muted understanding of his heart. So this, this is a direct result of not really understanding his heart. But there's this fear in the back of my mind uh, about thinking like maybe to uh, maybe I could put it this way a fear of like misreading the room <laughs> where you, you you think oh I've got the freedom to to come to Jesus to be relationally close to Christ and yet if if you're to come boldly and then feel like you're turned away that would be almost worse than not having come at all um and so I think for me out of fear, I'm it's I'm satisfied to theologize about mm-hmm. Christ because that's safe. Uh, but to entrust myself to Him, to move towards Him in confidence, even knowing who I am, that requires uh, what's what feels like leaving safety behind. Mm-hmm. And and as a result of you know, as He says, not you know, not really understanding His heart. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the last thing that I wanted to to ask you about in this chapter is uh, on on page twenty four. Uh, one of the things he says there is that our natural intuition can only give us a God like us. So we're, mm-hmm. we've been talking about we've been talking about how we feel about God, and we're basically uh, transferring how we think, yeah, how we act. Uh, onto onto the way God we think the way God might feel and interact towards us. So uh, I just wanted to ask to, uh, ask this question: How is our concept of God shaped more by our natural intuition than by revelation? Again, you can answer that generally, or you can talk specifically about yourself. But what sure. are what are in, our intuitions that misshape our our, our concepts of, of God. Yeah. Um, man, that's good. I mean, we do, we do naturally kind of project that onto him. Um, 
there's probably two angles at it, both rooted in pride, where we either see God as just like us or different than us. So I'll from there, I'll, I'll maybe say how it works for me, because mm. I definitely have one bent on that. Um, I tend to see uh, a lot of like the way that I'm wired and who I am in maybe kind of a negative light. Mm. And so I think when I think about God, I think he must not be like me. Because mm. what I am is inherently weak or flawed or lesser than something else. So I, I think I look internally and say God must be the opposite of anything like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, going along with that is we often see people's flaws mm-hmm. and... Other people's flaws change the way we interact with them. They provide, they put distance or we put distance between us and them because of their flaws or we often see people as the sum of their faults mm-hmm. yeah. and assume, okay, if I, if I, in my very limited knowledge of this person, know this about them, what must God think if he knows me <laughs> inside and out? He knows my motivations. He knows sure. that even the good things that I've done. <laughs> yeah. I've done for the wrong for reasons. bad reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How must he be thinking towards me? Um, and that's just not the case. At, at the end of that of, of chapter one, he says the God revealed in the Scripture deconstructs our intuitive predilections and startles us with one whose infinitude of perfections is matched by his infinitude of gentleness which I think is probably a great place for us to, to stop. Um, we'll, we'll stop the conversation now, but uh, like we said, we hope this sparks conversations with uh, those of you who are listening. We hope that after church on Sundays or when you meet up with other people for lunch or dinner on the weekends or you do stuff together that we're able to have Uh, conversations about this we're trying to keep this podcast to the 10 to 15 minute length so it's pretty short but it just uh, models the kind of conversations we hope we can all be having together before we uh, before we close I just want to thank a couple of people I want to thank Scott Gabbert Uh, he's the one who is going to be recording for us each week the one who's going to be putting the podcast together we're just talking and then something magical is going to happen (laughs) some where in between us talking and you listening. So Scott Gabbert is the one that's going to be helping us with that. And I also want to thank the Rock Bible Church and uh, Mike and Chris, Nate, for allowing us to use some of their recording space and their equipment for the podcast. I'll finish just by reading um, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30 again. Maybe we'll just read this at the end of every, every one. But Jesus says, come to me, All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Find your comfort, come you lost and find your home. There is grace. Rest in Christ alone